Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. is a transgender woman who was kicked out of classrooms, barred for sitting for exams, refused job opportunities, subjected to violence, and rejected by her family. But in the face of these challenges, she worked to end violence and discrimination against the LGBTQI plus community in Argentina. Tucker Carlson took a page from George Orwell's 1984 <laughs> and told his viewers to reject the evidence of their eyes and ears. I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Mm -hmm. How come this is not thought of as being recruiting? How come they're not thinking about like this radicalizing? as radicalizing? Why isn't why why is this not being scrutinized the way that they scrutinize other yeah. uh, well, things? It, because to me, this is this should be against the law. You the people Jesus. sitting in the chairs. Wild. Right, you're not supposed to go into the Capitol building. Grant, I thought it's. I thought you. Uh, certain well, you, times you are not like that. Yeah, not like that. Sure. Not like that. But when you see the people taking him around, essentially on a tour, that's not what I thought it was. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 9th of March, year of our Lord, 2023, and our intro is International Women's Month, and you got a tranny from Argentina. And Whoopi sure sounded like a fascist, followed by uh, Mr. Rogan watching J6, and he's spot on. Got a great show today. Um, I, I've had subjects for a while. I'm not even going to make, make them. Um, we're starting a new segment, my soapbox. I got a little bump for it because I've been soapboxing on a few subjects I want to do up front. And then we're going to review J6, Anifa, the book ban, abortion, just top six, probably all we're going to get through today. Um, we won't make it to the war on Christianity that I've been trying to do for a very long time, but just too much shit uh, going on and um, a media section and trans. I, I can't make it. Just can't make it today. Too much stuff. So... Um, once again, that that just sums up our woke administration. They're going to recognize a dude for International Woman's Day. And before we go in, I want to play uh, the full three-minute clip of Rogan because I think it's just very interesting. Uh, remember, this guy ain't a conservative. And at the center of it, the single that Alex? most famous yep. person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so-called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, 
a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Wow. Here's video of Chansley. They're opening the, the door for chamber. him. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. Contrast Holy the crap. reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th. Oh, he's bald. Indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen, with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years. He's a terrorist, they said. He should be killed. Shoot him. Shoot him. Like, if it, you burst into the United States, hey, if he was dressed like bin Laden, would you have shot him? Shoot him. No. Shoot him. It makes you wonder, who are the violent extremists here? Not Jacob Chansley, and the video proves that. But you would never have known from the media coverage. The people Jesus. sitting in the chairs? Wild. Right, you're not supposed to go into the Capitol building. Granted. I thought it's. I thought you, at uh, certain well, times you are. Not like that. Yeah, not like that. Sure. Not like that. But when you see the people taking him around, essentially on a tour, that's not what I thought it was. It's. I, I just hope all the conservatives watching this realize how little appetite there is in the Republican Party for defending people like this, and thinking that Mitch McConnell, and Donald Trump, care about this is is a delusion. It's not even defending them. It's just forget about it. Let's look at what what actually happened. We didn't know that happened. Right. We had a version of it was just chaos, and the cops ran away. And the uh, cops I were never cops were, cops were murdered. Yeah, I would have never imagined that this. I can't, I'm shocked to see that. To That's be so wild, and it's and that and like to your point that it's not a bigger story that it's fucking Tucker who's well, covering it's, this. It's just broken, and I think people are starting to pay attention to it now. I don't think it's broken. The, I think it's by design. I think it's work. It's it's by design. It's not an accident. No, I mean it just broke. I mean like oh it, yeah 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 okay story it just broke got out, out in okay, the world. Yeah. Um, I think it's really recent, and so I think people are just starting to recognize that uh, it's not what you thought it was. It um. It, it, it's shocking, but it's not shocking. I keep saying it that way because it isn't what it is. It's like we knew something was up with it, but you wouldn't think they'd be that bold. But by the end, when they literally say, well, we're just going to, we wanted to focus on Trump. Um, you know, I, I think I... I, I've said it quite a few times. Um, and we played a soundbite last podcast from somebody saying the exact same thing. It doesn't matter who's there. It, it doesn't matter 
we're, when we do the book ban today, the way they talk about DeSantis lie about what he's doing with the what they call anti-woke, anti-gay, don't say gay, all this bullshit. When you really dig in, it is, you know, it is exactly what we think it is. The books that are taken out, and we have graphic pictures, and we've covered some of these on the show. I mean, we've covered it. Um, they're pretty bad. All right. It, it's bad shit. So it doesn't it's just not Trump is the point. It could have been George W. Bush. Because that's when it started. That's when the left just totally lost all reason and went straight into labeling everybody a fucking Nazi. So let's get into the soapbox. A few stories up front, but the first is one that I am going to play the full four minutes and 56 seconds because the media didn't play it. And it's in reference to the suicide bomber in Afghanistan. And if this doesn't say everything about this administration and our media, I don't know what does. I request an engagement authority while my team leader was ready on the M110 semi-automatic sniper system. The response, leadership did not have the engagement authority for us. Do not engage. I requested for the battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Whited, to come to the tower to see what we did. While we waited for him, psychological operations individuals came to our tower immediately and confirmed the suspect met the suicide bomber description. He eventually arrived and we showed him our evidence, the photos we had of the two men, we reassured him of the ease of fire on the suicide bomber. Pointedly, we asked him for engagement authority and permission. We asked him if we could shoot. Our battalion commander said, and I quote, I don't know, end quote. Myself and my team leader asked very harshly, well, who does? Because this is your responsibility, sir. He again replied, he did not know, but would find out. We received no update and never got our answer. Eventually, the individual disappeared. To this day, we believe he was a suicide bomber. We made everyone on the ground aware Operations had briefly halted, but then started again. Plain and simple, we were ignored. Our expertise was disregarded. No one was held accountable for our safety. About 1730, Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, friend and mentor. Came to get me from the tower to go help find an Afghan interpreter in the crowd. We found the interpreter and his brother born with American passports. They told us, five, told us of five family members still in the canal. I stayed there waiting for the family members standing against a two-foot canal wall. Ten minutes passed. <clears throat> then a flash <clears throat> and a massive wave of pressure. I'm thrown 12 feet onto the ground, but instantly knew what had happened. I opened my eyes to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. A crowd of hundreds immediately vanished in front of me, and my body was catastrophically wounded with 100 to 150 ball bearings now in it. 
Almost immediately, we started taking fire from the neighborhood, and I saw how injured I was with my right arm, completely shredded and unusable. I saw my lower abdomen soaked in blood. I crawled backwards seven feet, roughly seven feet because I thought I was still in harm's way. My body was overwhelmed from the trauma of the blast. My abdomen had been ripped open. Every inch of my exposed body, except for my face, took ball bearings and shrapnel. <clears throat> I tried to get up but could not. Laying there for a few minutes, I started to lose consciousness. When I heard Chaz, my team leader, screaming my name as he ran to me, his voice, <clears throat> his voice calling to me kept me awake. When he got to me, he dragged me to safety and immediately started triaging me, tying tourniquets on my limbs and doing anything he could to stop the bleeding and start plugging wounds with the help of the other Marines. I was awake through most of it, screaming, moaning, and cursing. Please ask, uh, <clears throat> I ask you to please ask me about getting shot at the tower in Abbey Gate and how no one wanted my report post-blast. Even NCIS and the FBI failed to interview me. Ask me to elaborate on my ordeal post-blast and ask me about this one little girl and her family that I reunited. Our military members and veterans deserve our best because that is what we give to America. The withdrawal, <clears throat> the withdrawal was a catastrophe in my opinion, and there was an inexcusable lack of accountability and negligence. The 11 Marines, one sailor, <clears throat> and one soldier that were murdered that day have not been answered for. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak. I want us to go back to this time because in this time, we let the Taliban run the outer perimeter. And they were so concerned about offending them that they let this happen. It's like extortion 17. It's like every other time the left is in charge. It's like fucking Benghazi. They don't give a fuck about soldiers and warriors. They don't, they don't vote for them. So they don't fucking care if they die. It's no big whoop on them. They don't care. And we could have stopped it. We could have never had it by just staying in Bagram. But the media is not going to cover that. It's like they didn't cover the, um, you know, recognizing all those that saved Afghans. They didn't hit any news. I got that off the military website. You would never have known it if you... Don't follow military.com. You never know. Then this story, which the slide depicts. Does anybody believe the line they're giving? They thought it was a rival gang. That's all I have to say. And it probably was a drug deal gone bad. But if it's true, like the media says, well, that's pretty fucked up. Uh, that we have Americans going to Mexico to get it. Nine boxes of documents have been turned over from Biden's lawyers. I don't say anything else. That's, that says it all. Nine. But Trump, 
He was just, I didn't play a soundbite a couple days ago, literally, but Trump was all he said. This is up in the news. Somebody burned out on the flag crosswalk. Is it vandalism? From Fort Lauderdale, source appears that the pride flag at Sebastian and Seabreeze has been possibly defaced less than a month after it debut. Shameful. Some are hoping surveillance cameras might shed light on who did this. Cry more than cope and seethe. Why is it painted on a public street? Thoughts and prayers. Maybe Pete Buttigieg can fly down for a photo op. Here's my deal. These are the same people, the same DAs, the same politician that say it's your birthright to burn the American flag. But if you burn a gay flag or a BLM flag, that's a hate crime. And that's why it's in the soapbox. That's a hate crime. Burning the American flag is freedom of speech. They circular logic all the time, just like WAPO. This headline is fantastic. Conservatives and libertarian forces have defanged much of the nation's public health system through legislation and litigation as the world staggers into the fourth year of COVID. We defanged it, huh? Could it maybe be that you guys lied so fucking much? Maybe that's why nobody trusts the science. Does science? Back-to-back Cali stories. God be with these cops. I don't know their condition because nobody's reported. But California law is not going to take canine away. Can't use a canine to subdue people. I mean, that would make sense. It protects officers. And they don't fucking care about officers. So there's that. So those are your soapboxes for today. We're going to start out uh, the J6 on our top six. Today is J6, Antifa, book ban, abortion, and Cory Bush are our top six. We're going to let uh, Tucker talk for a bit before we go into all the myriad of responses that the media and the Democrats have cried about because people saw the truth. That day on January 6th, none, not one. Some were assaulted, that is true, and their assaults are indefensible. So how many were assaulted? Well, Garland said over 100. The Government Accountability Office says the number is 114, and we're just going to roll with that. We don't know if it's true, but we'll take it at face value, and that is bad. We are opposed to assaulting police officers in any context. We said that on January 6th, 2020, and we'll say it again, we're against that. But is January 6th the worst assault on the U.S. government since the Civil War? That's insane. It's not even close. How about March of 1954, when Puerto Rican separatists shot five congressmen in the Capitol building? Five members of Congress shot in the building. It's all bad, but the worst since the Civil War. You're just a flat-out liar if you're saying that. More recently, this is an event we all remember, Antifa descended on Washington, D.C. to force the sitting president from office. But it was Trump, so that's cool. And while they were there, they set a historic Christian church on fire, St. John's in Lafayette Square. Do you remember that? You should, because it happened Labor Day weekend less than three years ago. And when it happened, the left-wing mayor of Washington, D.C., refused to allow her police department, the MPD, to assist Secret Service agents while they were under siege and getting beaten. No, she made her cops stand back and watch it happen. And they were very upset about it at the time. You may have forgotten that. Here's what it looked like. (laughs) 
I believe there are several fires raging now down this street. And this is what you hate to see. There are people throwing fireworks and who knows what else. And that crane is just fully engulfed. Fire to St. John's Church. Oh, burning a church across from the White House. Those are the George Floyd riots. So what was the toll there? Now, we're not going to guess. We're going to go again right to the government. According to a recently released GAO report last month, during those attacks, the 2020 attack on the White House by left-wing mobs, we're quoting, Federal Protective Services, the Secret Service, and the Park Police reported that at least 180 officers were injured during the demonstrations, including concussions, lacerations, exposure to chemical gas, and severe burning. So while stipulating that all riots are bad, because precision matters, facts matter, the truth matters, here's the truth. More cops were injured by Kamala Harris's favorite mob, BLM, at the White House than were injured by Trump voters at the Capitol on January 6th. A lot more. So again, to be clear, both events are bad, but here's the key. We only remember one of them. Why? Because the people in charge of history are liars. Liars. And lying is bad. And on a national scale, it's deadly. It's corrosive of everything that is good in the country, including trust and your grasp on reality itself. And that's why they try to make you lie. Men can become women. Climate change is an existential threat or whatever the lie is they're making you tell. They don't believe it. They know you don't believe it. But by forcing you to repeat it, they degrade and control you. They make you less of a person.
Now, it's very interesting that that soundbar right there, you notice the sound's off. I've tried to de- uh, download it, change the speed on it. It doesn't matter. That's how it's coming up. And as of the next day, Tuesday, after Tucker did it, YouTube took it down. You couldn't download it. So I had to get it off Twitter, and now it's clearly apparent that Twitter is also fucking with it. Like, big time. So, to some of the worst media, we're going to start with uh, Adam Schiff being brought on, talking about lying. And then you're going to have a MSDNC soundbite, followed by Ken Burns talking. And that's just the surface. We're just scratching the surface. Yet, the power of repetition uh, is such that, you know, people like Tucker Carlson, who know they're lying to the public, can convince tens of millions of people of those lies. Uh, I- and I start with you. And I wonder if you think there's any pause or angst about the broadcast last night, or if you think it's a in for a dime, in for a dollar, que sera, que sera kind of decision. You know, when I watched it last night, um, I was thinking about the uh, in-house and outside lawyers representing Fox in the Dominion suit and the clip that you just played where they said, basically, you know, we're not going to comment on this because we're in the middle of basically what could be a life and death civil suit because the amount of money here, not, it's not just $1.6 billion, there's also a potential for punitive damages. Moved enough to write about this bill and what's going on with the whole idea of critical race theory and not teaching the full history of this country. Why? You know, what makes America great is not the suppression of ideas or the pursuit of every corner of those ideas may lead us, or the facts. It's, it's about who we are and how we investigate who we are and celebrate the diversity of who we are. All of these bills that DeSantis and others are doing limit our ability to understand who we are and are not inclusive. They're exclusive. They're, they're narrowing the focus of what is and isn't American history. It's terrifying. It feels like a Soviet system or you know the way the nazis would build a potemkin village tucker carlson's doing the same thing with the footage from uh one six so adam schiff has the balls to say the repetition will brainwash the motherfucker is still saying russia 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 it's completely false they're licking their chop over the suit and ken burns with the nazi stuff put it give it a rest dude Give it a fucking rest. But the the shocking thing for me, not the first soundbite. I'm going to play a little bit of Schumer, but the Republican Uniparty is just unbelievable. Mr. President, last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. With contempt for the facts disregard of the risks, and knowing full well he was lying, lying to his audience. Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. By diving deep into the waters of conspiracy and cherry-picking 
from thousands of hours of security footage. Mr. Carlson told the bold-faced lie that the Capitol attack, which we all saw with our own eyes, was somehow not an attack at all. He tried to argue it was nothing more than a peaceful sightseeing tour. Can you imagine? A nonviolent demonstration, a perfectly fine and appropriate instance of people expressing their opinion. I, so many others who were here in the Capitol, and millions and millions of Americans are just furious with Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy. Was it a mistake by Speaker McCarthy to give access to Tucker Carlson of this security footage? My uh, concern is how it was depicted, which is a different issue. Clearly, the chief of the Capitol Police, in my view, correctly describes what most of us witnessed firsthand on January 6th. So that's my reaction to it. Um, is, um, is this a lie? I think it's bull****. I was down there, and I saw maybe a few tourists, a few people who got caught up in things, but when you see police barricades breached, when you see police officers assaulted, all of that, or you had to be in close proximity to it. If you were just a tourist, you should have probably lined up at the visitor center and came in on an orderly basis. Democracy. On Monday of this week, Fox News aired an offensive, dishonest, shameful representation about what happened on January 6, 2021. For nearly an hour, Tucker Carlson said that January 6 was not, in fact, a violent attack on American democracy. In fact, he said it was not an attack at all. He called it a, quote, peaceful sightseeing day, downplayed what happened, tried to sanitize and gloss over the first responders who were attacked and died. Not surprising. It's a unit party, and that last guy attacked and died. None of them died. The only people that died that day were protesters, one who was shot in the face. All these people lied, and the Uniparty's fine with the lie. They don't want the truth out there because it makes them less of a hero. I mean, it is so pathetic. You're going to hear John King, Jake Tapper, apologize for airing some of it, and then Anderson Cooper say that Tucker Carlson would wet his pants. A gay dude. The least manly dude on TV talking about machismo. 30-something of those House Republicans, even after the attack on the Capitol, tried to block the certification of the Electoral College. So they want to rewrite, whitewash, wipe away, minimize the history of that day. You mentioned uh, Officer Sicknick. Um, I'm feel nervous doing this. I don't like to do this. I don't like to put families back through the pain they have suffered every time they see this video. But here is Tucker Carlson's take on Officer Sicknick. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. 
Um, now we can show you some video of Officer Sicknick outside the Capitol where he was pepper sprayed or bear sprayed, as they call it, uh, at when he was trying there to hold the line before the line collapsed. Uh, yes, he went inside and he may have cleaned up and he may have gotten the sting uh, out of his eyes, but he died the next day. Mm -hmm. um, the medical examiner says it was of natural causes and he suffered a couple of strokes, uh, but he died the very next day. Uh, and his family uh, says the Sicknick family is outraged. The ongoing attack on our... Michael Fanone and Adam Kinzinger, thank you. And, and uh, you know, I know it probably is pretty upsetting personally to have been there, and in your case, uh, Officer Fanone, to have been physically harmed severely and see this entire presentation pretending that this didn't happen. Uh, and I want you to know, we see you. We know it happened. Uh, and... I don't know what to say about this, except I'm... Tonight, Carlson called people who breached the Capitol, quote, sightseers instead of insurrectionists. You were there. What do you make of what Carlson has done? Yeah, I mean, I heard the language that Tucker Carlson used to describe the individuals that were there. It's certainly not what I would have used to describe uh, Albuquerque Head, uh, the individual who um, pled guilty to placing me in a chokehold, ripping me off of a police line and pulling me out into a crowd. Uh, of violent insurrectionists while he yelled, I've got one. Um, it's His not name the, was Albuquerque Head. Albuquerque Head. It's not the, it's not, uh, the language I would use to describe uh, Kyle Young, who violently assaulted me, uh, lunged for my firearm, who has also pled guilty to, uh, to the assault. Uh, it's not the language that I would use to describe Thomas Civic, who recently pled guilty to stripping my uh, badge and my radio from my chest uh, and then burying my badge in his backyard uh, back in Buffalo, New York. And it's certainly not the language I would use to describe Daniel Rodriguez, uh, who admittedly struck me in the neck numerous times with a taser device, uh, all while I was out in the crowd, defenseless and being assaulted from every direction. Uh, so, you know, what Tucker Carlson forgot to talk about, like you said earlier, is the 140 officers like myself that were severely injured as a result of this violent insurrection and attack on our capital. You know, I mean, the idea of Tucker Carlson being in that mob that day and not wetting his pants is hard to imagine. I mean, th th I, I find it hard to understand somebody who has never put himself in harm's way in, in any capacity for anyone else uh, or on reporting a story um, and yet has the audacity to try to rewrite history. I mean, that, that's what this is. It, it is an attempt to rewrite history on what is one of the most consequential, you know, certainly one of the biggest events in American democracy and the uh, biggest threats to American democracy. Biggest immense events in American democracy. And no, he did not die because of the Capitol. None of those are interconnected. If they were interconnected, the fucking examiner, who's a Democrat, would have ruled it as... A homicide brought on by the pepper spray or whatever. I mean, it's sad the guy's dying, but even there, CNN won't give up the lie. They won't give up the lie. They just want to continue with lie after lie after lie, and they can't stop. I mean, I, I, I sometimes am just shocked at the lack of intellectual honesty we have in our media. I mean, Greg, Greg Price does it really well. 
here. The line about Brian Sicknick, line about Barry Loudermilk taking rioters, line about Josh Hawley, line about Ray Epps, line about every part of that day. It was just all lies. And the media is so invested in that lie. Oh, my God. No, at no time did he say it was a peaceful riot like you guys did for the film he played that I had to take the speed down because Twitter and YouTube and everybody's tampering with videos because they don't want that. They don't want the, it to go away. We, our buddy, Will Carlisle, the twat from USA Today, tweeted this like 20 times the last two days. Trying to push that, oh, it's there. They're out there. We still need to arrest these people. Um, MSDNC legal analyst. Uh, Nicole Wallace is currently doing a takedown of all the lies Tucker Carlson peddled about 1-6 by misusing the video. Internal communication released in the Dominion voting. Blah, blah, Dominion voting, Dominion. All they're doing is talking about that shit. White House communication joined a widespread condemnation of Tucker Carlson today, singing, signaling out the Fox News host for his misleading portrayal of January 6th Capitol riot. Tucker Carlson is not credible. Oh, but you are, and you've lied about everything. I'm not even covering the Dominion because let's be honest, every one of these fuckers lie. And at no time did U.S. Did, did the Fox Network do anything else that I could pull up CNN, MSDNC, ABC, NBC, and CBS after the 2016 election saying Dominion fucking machines were pieces of shit. And it segues so nice into our Antifa clip. I'm going to play the first two. This was retweeted by Will Carlisle from the USA Today lessening the fact that these Antifa people stormed a college and took over a classroom and complaining that officers in Atlanta had long rifles. The people
How's it going? Y'all know Dr. Raghavan supporting police violence and militarization as part of the Cop City Project. Yeah. Are y'all part of the graduate students that have been pressuring him to resign from the I don't want you harassing our grad students. You gotta leave now. We're not, well, it's education. It's education all over. Okay, you can leave your stuff, but you gotta go. Yeah, we're not harassing, sir. We're just educating, you know what I mean? I know. You gotta leave. Okay. No way out? Uh, I can escort you to the elevator. Maybe this way. No, this way, please. Okay, one second, sir. No, we've got to leave now. Okay. This is a university property. It's for students. If you want to make an appointment, we'll talk to you. But otherwise, you must leave now. We'll make the appointment right now. Who can we make an appointment with? You know? Well, because uh, we've been trying to call. We've called, we've emailed. Lots of people have called them trying to talk to him. So do you know how we can make an appointment? Yeah, I can give you uh, uh, Dr. Regavon's email address and you can get in touch with him. We have his email address, but okay. is there is someone else in the department? Would you be willing to help us set up a meeting with Dr. Regavon? Uh, yeah, if you can give me your contact do information. Do you have a card? Yeah, I can give okay. that to you. But you have to leave now. Um, out. Yeah, we're just, he was just giving us our card to set up a meeting. Okay. Yeah, we're ahead now. Thank you. Viva, viva! Tortu Gita, viva, viva! Viva, viva! Viva, viva! Tortu Gita, viva, viva! Tortu Gita, viva, viva! Tortu Gita, viva, viva! Tortu Gita, stop city! Stop city! Stop city! Stop city! Stop city! And here's our media still misrepresenting the first altercation where a person was shot and killed because he aimed guns at cops and excusing this Antifa violence that was not even aired on most networks. And if it was, it was very short. This week, I've seen J6 riot over and over and over and over and over. In January, law enforcement shot and killed a demonstrator who was living on the site's grounds. Prompting widespread outcry. Officers claimed the protesters shot at them first. At the time, Atlanta's mayor defended the training facility and said it was answering a call from constituents to improve policing following nationwide civil rights protests in the summer of 2020. They don't want to see uh, the very things that they asked for, more police training. We can't train uh, imaginary. We have to do it in a facility that allows for police, firefighters, and the community to train together. <clears throat> 
Now, Mayor Dickens has also said that while the training facility will be built on 85 acres of forest land, some 300 acres will be preserved. Now, as for the incident that happened on Sunday, police say no officers were injured in the incident. They also say they will be standing by should any protest this week become violent. Tony. All right, Scott. These 23 people are charged with domestic terrorism, and police here point out that only two of them are from Georgia. They're from Utah, Arizona, far away from here. One person is from Canada, another person is from France. Authorities say that they stormed what is going to be a training facility for police Sunday through three bricks, through bricks, rocks, fireworks, and Molotov cocktails at police officers, setting fire to construction equipment and launching rounds of commercial grade fireworks. They're fighting to save the woods that the police training center would replace, but also saying they're trying to keep police from militarizing. This has put local civil rights groups in a strange position where they agree with the idea of not trying to militarize the police, but are also trying not to support any foolishness. But we should underline that it was approved by lawmakers at the state and local levels, Democrats and Republicans of all colors. Aerial footage shows the group of demonstrators, many wearing masks and holding shields, swarming the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, hurling fireworks at police officers and lighting construction equipment on fire. Police say 35 people were arrested in the incident, though 11 were released without charges and one was hospitalized. Of the remaining 23 who faced domestic terror charges, only two are from Georgia and just one is from Atlanta. The current plan will heighten tensions and harm communities for decades. Community organizers appeared at Monday's Atlanta City Council meeting to voice their objections to the facility. A broad coalition opposes the project, ranging from environmentalists concerned about the potential destruction of Atlanta's South River Forest to local civil rights leaders who say the project will further militarize police. In January, law enforcement shot and killed a demonstrator who was living on the site's grounds. Prompting widespread outcry. Officers claim the pro. Continuing the legacy of our media saying lefty violence is great. The FBI doesn't even count it as violence. Nobody gets charged with the violence. None of these people get domestic terrorism charges. Not happening. It's just not happening. Which brings us to subject three of our top six. I'm going to enlarge these. And understand everything I'm about to show you, Twitter, YouTube has sensitive content in front of it. The networks pulled away from it. Because it's so fucking bad. Let me see if I can find my pictures. There we go. So this is a graphic novel that I think we've covered before. But you look at the pictures. That's a vagina. Why why does that need to be in school? And I wanted to screen cap one else. And we'll do this live. Which one is this? Book two. Because, well, let me pause and I'm going to screen cap this. 
So these are the books that are so important for our teenagers to have. That's dick sucking. That's shoving shit in your ass. That's how to jack off. More dick sucking. How a woman should fucking masturbate. Anal sex. It's all in here. And it was so fucking graphic that the news cut away and said it was horrible. It was too graphic. Twitter and YouTube put cautions over it because it was so bad. So bad. But do you think our media covered it? Nah. Why would we do that, man? We're not going to cover that. Ian Milheiser. Um, I've got a piece going up tomorrow explaining why DeSantis presidency would be the greatest threat to the First Amendment. Greatest threat to the First Amendment. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting considering all he's doing is stopping pedophilia and pornography. An actress declares Ron DeSantis plays a video detailing some of the books that have been banned from Florida classroom, alleging this is porn. It's porn. DeSantis just getting started. The guy's a twisted sadist. If he is free to do as he pleases, he will end up making Hitler seem nice. Nancy Lee Graham. And I don't know who she is. She's an actress. Oh, I've seen her before. Yeah. And, and before I play it, remember we had a huge outcry that DeSantis was going to make bloggers report to the government. And it wasn't him. It was some fucking representative that he had nothing to do with it. Well, he stopped it and nobody covered it yesterday. So you'll see that. You'll see a little break. And then we'll go into kitty porn because it's cool with the left. Most of you here get this, and you're probably not the ones doing it. It's like, you know, every person in the legislature can file bills, right? I see these people filing bills, and then there's articles with my face on the article saying that, oh, they're going to have to, red, bloggers are going to have to register for the state. And it's like attributing it to me. And I'm like, okay, that's not anything that, that, that I've ever supported. I don't support. Uh, I've been very clear about what we're doing. And so people have a right to file legislation. They have a right to, to do different types of amendments and all that other stuff. Um, but the Florida, leg a whole 120 of them in the House and however many in the 40 in the Senate, you know, they have independent agency to be able to do things. Like, I don't control every single bill that has been filed or amendment. So just as we... I didn't have to view what you just viewed, so uh, I'm glad, glad I didn't. But I think that, um, you know, we need to have truth prevail. And so today we're going to be uh, exposing, we've already exposed with that video, I think, this idea of a, of a book ban in Florida that somehow they don't want books in the library. That's a hoax. Uh, and that's really a, a, a nasty hoax because it's a hoax in service of trying to pollute and sexualize our children. So we uh, have seen over many weeks, so first of all, I think that 
that video, I think some of the news had to cut the feed because it's graphic. And we've uh, heard different things put out. There was a Duval County school video where they took a, a video of empty bookshelves and they say the state of Florida doesn't want books. You know, they're trying to censor books and all this stuff. Turned out that was a hoax. Turned out that individual who did that in the school system was fired. Uh, you've also had other things where they tried to say that you're not allowed to teach certain basic things that, that we require. Uh, some of those folks have been put uh, on discipline and will likely lose their jobs. So a lot of that, what's been going on, is an attempt to create a, a political narrative. And it's a false political narrative, and that's, that's bad enough as it is, I guess, but, but for me, uh, the important thing is, is that's a false narrative in service of using our schools uh, for indoctrination rather than education. Flamer by Mike Curato was found in Broward, Collier, Hillsborough, Marion, Seminole, and Volusia County schools. The camp the boys go to in the book has an island that the book says looks like a frying pan, but we're all certain it looks like a balls. It also contains a shower scene with a group of boys where a young man gets an erection. Another where a boy watches porn and asks, why is there so much hair? While noting that those are so big. And if none of this causes you to pause, there's another section where a group of boys masturbate together and are pressured to ejaculate into a bottle. Let's Talk About It by Erica Moen and Matthew Nolan was found in a Broward County school and contains graphic depictions of how to masturbate for males and females while also including an entire section for anal sex with an encouragement to use a butt plug. Even more startling is the guide on how to sext for children, encouraging them to send photos that don't include your face, hide your birthmarks and scars, and edit out your piercings and tattoos. Books by Rupi Kaur, such as Homebody, Milk and Honey, and The Sun and Her Flowers, have been found in 15 schools. Homebody says masturbation writer wants someone to look me in the eyes when you're down there eating for your life. These books are clearly not just conversation starters about the birds and the bees. They are pushing an agenda. Gender Queer was found in Orange, St. Lucie, and Hillsborough County schools and is a graphic novel depicting masturbation and encouraging trans surgery by equating the scars from top surgery, the cutting off of females' breasts with a tattoo. are clearly not just conversation starters about the birds and the bees. They are pushing an agenda. Gender Queer was found in Orange, St. Lucie, and Hillsborough County schools and is a graphic novel depicting masturbation and encouraging trans surgery by equating the scars from top surgery, the cutting off of females' breasts, with a tattoo.
teachers who display or give a student a book deemed unallowed could face up to five years in prison. You heard that right. Five years in prison for handing a child a book. The law requires books to be free from pornography, instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade, and discrimination in a way that an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin is inherently racist or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously.
latest to be pulled for review, a book about baseball legend Roberto Clemente. A passage in Roberto Clemente, Pride of the Pittsburgh Pirates, references the racism he faced in the U.S. A is for activists, where L is for LGBTQ, T is for trans, and Z is for Zapatista, a far-left Mexican terrorist group. This book was found in six school districts, Broward, Hillsborough, Orange, Lake, Pinellas, and Monroe. Listen, I'm, I'm going to say this one more time. Elements of critical race theory are not taught to five-year-olds. It's not taught to eight-year-olds. not taught to ten-year-olds. Not My Idea, a book about whiteness, which was found in elementary schools in Orange, Lake, Hillsborough, and Broward counties. We will not teach that racism is a white person's problem. We will teach that it is a problem for all to tackle. We will not inject it to a young child's mind that the contract binding you to whiteness will get you stolen land, stolen riches, and special favors. morning. Thank you. Good to be back. Thanks so much. Hello. How are you doing? Good to see you. Nice dress. You look pretty. What? Okay. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you all for being here. Uh, I didn't have to view what you just viewed, so uh, I'm glad, glad I didn't. But I think that um, yeah, we need to have truth prevail. And so today we're going to be uh, exposing, we've already exposed with that video, I think, this idea of a, of a book ban in Florida that somehow they don't want books in the library. That's a hoax. Uh, and that's really a, a, a nasty hoax because it's a hoax in service of trying to pollute and sexualize our children. Uh, we'll also talk about the black history hoax, the idea that somehow we're not teaching uh, about that and uh, not teaching about things like racial discrimination. So we're going to go through all of that. We've got some great folks here with us and I want to recognize them. We have Manny Diaz, who's our Department of Education Commissioner in, in the state of Florida. <laughs> Tia Bess from Northeast Florida. <laughs> We have uh, Julie Gebhards, a uh, parent from here in Hillsborough County. From the school board here, Dr. Stacy Hahn, welcome. And her fellow school board member from the other side of the state in Broward, and I don't know who has it more difficult waiting through those on those boards, but uh, Tori Alston from Broward County. 
And then we have from the Central Florida Urban League, uh, Glenn Gilzine. So thank you for coming. So we uh, have seen over many weeks, so first of all, I think that, that video, I think some of the news had to cut the feed because it's graphic. And we've uh, heard different things put out. There was a Duval County school video where they took a, a video of empty bookshelves and they say the state of Florida doesn't want books, you know, they're trying to censor books and all this stuff. Turned out that was a hoax. Turned out that individual who did that in the school system was fired. Uh, you've also had other things where they tried to say that you're not allowed to teach certain basic things that, that we require. Uh, some of those folks have been put uh, on discipline and will likely lose their jobs. So a lot of that, what's been going on, is an attempt to create a, a political narrative. And it's a false political narrative, and that's, that's bad enough as it is, I guess. But, but for me, uh, the important thing is, is that's a false narrative in service of using our schools uh, for indoctrination rather than education. And we've drawn a very firm line in the sand in Florida about that. Uh, we believe in, in strong, rigorous education. We believe in the rights of parents to be involved in the education of their children and therefore have enacted curriculum transparency legislation so that the parents know what, what books are being used in the classroom, uh, what books do their, do their kids uh, have access to, and then they have procedures where they can say, wait a minute, you know, some of the stuff you saw up there, uh, that is pornographic. Why would we have that in a media center with 10-year-old students? It's just wrong. And a lot of parents now have been empowered uh, to make sure that these are appropriate environments. I mean, I'm six, we have six, four, and two-year-old at home. I just think parents, when they're sending their kids to school, uh, they should not have to worry about this garbage being in the schools. They should just know that you're going to get a good education. We're going to do, do well to, to really do the basics and, and, and have our kids succeed. That's what they want. They don't want the garbage. And the idea that that's even in there is inappropriate for these young kids. But they are using your tax dollars to put that in. How is that an appropriate use of taxpayer dollars uh, to put that in? So what you've seen is a lot of uh, false narratives put out. Uh, and I think, though, there is a concerted effort to, to bring some of this sexualization into the classroom, particularly in these young grades. I mean, we did do parents' rights in education bill, as I think as many of you know. Uh, but even when you're talking about 12, 13-year-olds to see some of that stuff in there, uh, I think most parents would say, absolutely not. You know, Parents can have those discussions when they think it's appropriate uh, with their kid, but to have that is, is wrong. And we've been very clear about that and how we're going we're gonna to handle that. You've, you've also heard some things about uh, the uh, ability or the available, uh, availability of African-American history in Florida. And this grew out of there was a proposed course that the College Board was sending to different states. It hadn't even been approved yet. Uh, and they were soliciting feedback, so it was still in the experimental stages. Uh, but our Department of Education said, this, this is rejected. It clearly goes against our standards about opposing ideological indoctrination. And so we identified uh, the reasons why. So you just tell me whether you think this is something that is appropriate for an African-American history course 
course. So this is, they had a thing about queer studies, right? They put that in this, in this course. And this is the quote from one of the, the readings there. Quote, we have to encourage and develop practices whereby queerness isn't surrender to the status quo of race, class, gender, and sexuality. It means building forms of queerness that reject the given realities of the government and the market. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, why aren't we talking about Frederick Douglass? You know, why aren't we talking about things that I think can really matter? Uh, and so you had a whole bunch of other things. Uh, a lot of this was informed by, you know, I would say neo-Marxism, heavy, heavy ideological bent. And so that clearly is not something, um, you know, that, that, that we're going to do. But what they would say then is because this ideologically driven course was not something that met our standards, that somehow Florida prohibited teaching anything about black history. And that is not only not true, Florida law does the opposite. We require that. All the aspects from the colonies all the way to the present. And in fact, since I've been governor, we've expanded that. Uh, we did the, uh, uh, the 1920 Election Day riots. We now have that as being something that has, to be, uh, that has to be discussed, as well as the impact of Jim Crow laws. And so we did a law last year called the Stop Woke Act, uh, Stop Wrongs Against Our Kids and Employees Act. And it was employment protections that if you go to uh, work, that you don't have to sit through a discriminatory training. You have a right to opt out about that. We're litigating that. We'll eventually win on appeal like we normally do. Um, but then also K-12. You know, we're not going to do things uh, like critical race theory. And, um, and, and so a lot of people were happy that we did that. You know, some people tried to criticize. But what we also did in that bill is we required the state of Florida uh, schools to provide instruction about prejudice and racism throughout American history. We actually didn't necessarily have it that, that strongly in our law prior to this. And so when they say things about, oh, we have to take a book about Hank Aaron out because he talks about suffering racism and that would violate the Stop Woke Act. Understand, they're lying to you. That is not true. And in reality, none of those books had to be removed. It was just a, it was a, it was a, fake, a fake hoax. Uh, but not only would it, would it not be re removed or, or violate standards, uh, it actually tracks with us saying we need to teach these stories. And you know what else we did in the Stop Woke Act? We required uh, teaching stories of inspiration uh, regarding, you know, Floridians, but particularly African Americans. And I think that's a better way to lift people up. Showcase people that have defied the odds and have made great contributions. Don't tell somebody that you're oppressed and you have no chance in life. Why would you work hard if you don't have a chance to be able to do? So it's a positive view. It's showing that people have been able to break down barriers uh, and do great things. And, and I think that is the way we need to be doing it, rather than always trying to say that, that, that the country's bad and all that stuff. Yeah, you got you to teach the facts are the facts, the history's the history. But I think our entire history regarding not just black history, but everything, been a lot of obstacles, been a lot of examples when those ideals weren't always lived up to. But people fought and people were able to, to ultimately win uh, in the end across a wide variety of these issues. So I, I think that that is a great posture. So here though, when they talk about the stop woke, here's what it actually does prohibit in terms of what we're doing. And if anyone in this room thinks any of this is appropriate, then raise your hand and let's have this debate uh, right here. So what the stop woke act says is, you know, we're not going to teach 
uh, our kids that they are inherently racist on the basis of their race or, or color or natural origin. Does anyone think the babies are born racist? I don't think so. I think they're told either to respect people or not, and that's how you end up uh, with this. The other thing we say is in the law that we are not going to teach that any one race is inherently superior to another race. Is that something that we want to be teaching our kids? I don't think so. Uh, we also say that of course, I think everyone has to agree with this, it's wrong for discrimination on the basis of race, color, natural origin, etc. cetera. Uh, also say in the Stop Woke Act that it is wrong to teach that concepts like merit and hard work are basically racist concepts. In reality, we believe merit and hard work are important uh, so that people are able to pursue happiness. Uh, the fifth one, uh, not allowed to impose responsibility for the past actions of members of the same racial group. So you have somebody in a classroom now, go back 200 years, someone may look like them. They are not responsible, some first grader sitting in the classroom uh, for that. And then finally, uh, no uh, inst classroom instruction on, on collective guilt for acts committed in the past. It's wrong to uh, identify somebody who's just a young kid going to school and saying they're guilty of things they had nothing to do with. So I don't think any of that, honestly, is that controversial. I think that uh, that does prevent some of the ideology from, from getting in, which is really what we're trying to do. But on, the, on its face, I, I would very, very much doubt that you'd find very many people who could stand up and make a case. But that's why you have things like this hoax because they don't want to argue on the merits. And so they want to have this stuff with this AP course that has a lot of the ideology. That's what they want to have in there. But they don't want to have to argue all this on the merits. They want to be able to say, oh, no, no, Florida's not allowing to teach, uh, to teach black history all this. They want to try to do that uh, because they think they're on better ground. Well, they're lying, and so that's not really good ground to be on, but they can't defend their positions on the merits, and so that's why you have this, this situation. You also have, in terms of the, the pornographic material, there were reports saying, oh, teachers are so worried, you know, they may end up being charged uh, with a third-degree felony for having books in their classroom. And, and just understand, that has nothing to do with the Stop Woke Act, has nothing to do with anything we've done uh, since. There is just a long-standing Florida law, has nothing to do with even schools versus not schools. Long-standing Florida law says that it's unlawful for adults to provide pornography for minors. Does anybody disagree with that? Do we want to be in a situation where, of course not. So when they're citing that law, acting like somehow that's chilling what's going on in the library, it's been the law for a long time. I don't think it's ever been appropriate in the history of Florida for adults to be providing uh, pornography to minors. And so, so that's just, that, that's the law, that's just, it is what it is. And um, I think that, that, that most people believe that we should, we should keep it that way. Uh, they've also tried to say, because they say, Oh, they're having to empty the libraries. They're having to cover books because of this and all this other thing. And, uh, and that's a hoax as well. Uh, the Department of Education, when this was started to go out, they said, okay, tell us what, is, what you've actually done. Have there been books in a library, classroom, media center, whatever, uh, that, that were pornographic or that, or that didn't meet state standards. And so they were able to survey all the districts. And, you know, I think a lot of districts never had any problem, right? I mean, I think, but, but some did. 87% of the books 
that were identified as school districts um, as being problematic. Um, they were pornographic, violent, or inappropriate for the grade level in some other manner. That's 87%, that's the, the, the bare minimum. And then there was a single school district that had uh, 19 uh, books that had violated the standards, but 94% of those books were removed from media centers. They weren't even in the classroom libraries, which is a good thing uh, to do. And so there have been 23 districts that have had violations, uh, mostly involving pornographic material, but we, uh, the Department of Education, went to, I think it was Duval County, said, hey, wait a minute, you have a beef with Hank Aaron or Roberto Clemente, where are you getting this? Why can't we learn about, uh, about that? Where in our law does it say, and of course, they didn't have an answer. I said, no, 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 we're not taking Hank Aaron out, we're not taking Roberto Clemente out, and you know, look, if the, our kids only learned about Roberto Clemente and Hank Aaron, I think they'd probably do okay if you just studied their, their lives. So, so that, that's a hoax. That, that's a false narrative that they're trying to do. And when you were in, I know Duval County, what they did was they kind of waited to even indulge and, and follow the law for a long time. And so you ended up with a situation where kind of at the end of the period when this, they said, oh, we got to take all these books and, and review and all this stuff. And uh, that wasn't necessary the way they did it. They chose to do it, I think, to try to get more maximum impact in terms of what we've been able to accomplish. And so we're going to hear from some other folks who are in this fight. But I think at the end of the day, uh, we need to make sure that our education system is bringing us together. Uh, when you start putting that garbage that you saw in there in there, uh, that is wrong. It's also very, very divisive for the community because parents look at that and they feel like they're, they're sending their kids to a place uh, that, is, that is waging war against their own basic values. And, and we can't have that in the state of Florida. So I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, these folks are, are, are working on this. Uh, we're happy to be here to be able to say uh, these reports, and we were cataloging them in real time, and you see them even on national television. You know, they will say things like, Florida does not want students to know that there was slavery in the United States, which is just an absolute lie. And are they not doing the two minutes of research to go? I mean, you can go on our Department of Education website. They list all this stuff out. Uh, or is it just, you know, the narrative is too, too good to check and they just want to go ahead and do it? Yeah, they know guys like me will come by and debunk that. And a lot of people will then look and see, okay, well, if it's, if it's in Florida law, why, why is MSNBC or somebody saying this? And some people will then say, yeah, you can't trust them. But very few people trust these people anyways now as it is and so I think they're preaching to the choir trying to just get they could just get it to, to take hold amongst a small segment uh, then basically they think that that mission will have been accomplished uh, but we're gonna fight back we're gonna make sure we're speaking the truth but but the important thing is is not that there's uh, you know that the hoax is there in and of itself and these are false narratives I mean that is important but it, it's a false narrative in service of trying to use the schools for an inappropriate purpose. And so ultimately, it's the well-being of our kids who are at, that is at stake here. And we're going to continue to put parents and students first. Uh, we believe it's important, and we look forward to being able to continue that. Oh. Yep, that's just fascist as shit, protecting kids from pornography. Okay, that's the way the media is going to play it. Our next soundbite, Cindy Lauper. 
had an LGBTQ signing. It took me forever to find the soundbite because nobody wanted to play it. They'd quote it, but they wouldn't play it. And I wonder why. Think of all the anti-LGBTQ legislation that's making its way in bills across the country. Um, you know, I believe you don't stop the fight. Equality for everybody or nobody's really equal. This is how Hitler started. You know, just weeding everybody out and then finally he, you know, I don't think it's a good idea what they're doing, but you know, you just have to keep fighting for civil rights. I guess that's the way it is in this country. Well, you would think that that would be a red flag and people would be talking about that. But we're we're living in weird times, man. We're just living in weird motherfucking times where that's okay. That's proper conduct. You can say that. Which brings us to our next number four, five, because I don't remember where we're at. One, two, three, four, five. Abortion's really big. Going to play... Well, I'm just going to play them all together. You're going to start with Yamichi Alcindor and two different hits lying about abortion laws. And then the media losing their shit over Texas abortion laws. Here's our PBS jazzed that we're running around with signs, billboards about abortion pills. But you'll have MSNBC, ABC and NBC covering it. Mitchell calls Texas the leader and fighting against women's health. The billboards that they don't like. And then an interesting thing, which I'm really surprised, but Walgreens in California are cutting ties because they're not going to sell abortion pills like Tic Tacs in 21 states because those states aren't for it. But once again... It's the fascist conservatives, I guess, because they're all pissed that they won't sell them nationwide like they're fucking Tic Tacs. Back with our NBC News exclusive, a new lawsuit being filed in Texas challenging the state's near total ban on abortion and seeking clarity on when doctors are allowed to intervene in dangerous pregnancies without a fear of prosecution. Here's Yamish Alcindor. When Amanda and Josh Zorowski found out they were expecting a baby girl, they were overjoyed. The name they picked for her, Willow. I mean, it was magical. The first 17 weeks were very easy, very smooth sailing. But just before week 18, something felt wrong. Amanda's body was preparing for labor too early. The news from her doctor was devastating. She said pretty quickly, you know, all in one breath, you're going to lose the baby. She's not going to survive. I thought what they would do is go in and intervene immediately, but she told me that they couldn't because the baby's heart was still beating and I wasn't sick. Laws in Texas ban doctors from performing abortions except when a medical emergency endangers a person's life or major bodily function. Those who violate the law could face up to life in prison. Take me into what it was like to wait. I just existed in sorrow and fear. I was really, really scared. This just isn't something that you do with any other kind of medical issue is you have to ask, am I sick enough to get treatment? It was just, it was infuriating. Three days after the diagnosis, Amanda's health deteriorated. 
Doctors performed an abortion, but serious infections led to sepsis, and Amanda spent three days in the ICU. Because of the law, I very nearly died. Nothing about this is pro-life. Now, Amanda is part of a group of seven plaintiffs, represented by the Center for Reproductive Rights, who plan to file a lawsuit against the state of Texas tonight. Until there is a legal fight, nothing's going to change, and something has to change. But John Siegel, president of Texas Right to Life, who helped craft the Texas Heartbeat Act, says the law is clear as written, and that doctors like Amanda's are misinterpreting it. If they are saying they have to delay and wait the, the days like you're talking about, that is medical malpractice. But if it is uncertain that this child may survive or may not, Texas is saying we don't jump to conclusions. Doctors are saying the law is not clear, and as a result, I'm going to act on the side of, of being cautious, and that means that I might have to wait for a woman to get sicker and sicker before I can perform an abortion that I know she needs. And that's the wrong conclusion. Nancy Northup is the president of the Center for Reproductive Rights. The issue here is not that the doctors are being too cautious. The reality is, without clarification of this Texas law, without a change in the circumstances that are happening today, it is going to come that women are going to die. You know, and I've heard of other stories like this, Yamish. Um, I want to bring in Joyce Vance on the legal aspects of this because we've heard even from, I believe it was in South Carolina, where a state legislator was talking about this, and that's why they voted against a heartbeat law, where women are forced to carry babies with no fetal heartbeat at all uh, for weeks. And there is tremendous danger to their own health, as Amanda has experienced, has experienced. And now, you know, the tragedy of what she may, the complications she may face in the future. But Joyce, doctors feel that they are facing liability. And also in Texas, which of course has been the leader in, you know, fighting against women's health and, and abortion rights. These mothers were more than happy to find out they were pregnant. They were picking baby names and planning baby showers. And abortion was the last thing they wanted. And while they were able to get the procedure done outside of Texas, they are now fighting for women who don't have that option. Five women suing the state of Texas, Attorney General Ken Paxton and the state's medical board, alleging they were denied necessary and potentially life-saving obstetrical care because medical professionals throughout the state fear liability under Texas. Texas's abortion bans. What happened to the people standing behind me was a violation of their Texas constitutional rights. According to the lawsuit, Anna Zagarian's water broke just four months into her pregnancy, leaving the baby without any amniotic sac inside the womb. And they said, even with the best neonatal intensive care, a fetus cannot survive outside the womb at 19 weeks. My heart broke into a million pieces. Aborting is typically advised in these cases because the mother could face sepsis, a life-threatening condition that happens when the body has an extreme response to infection. The lawsuit, backed by the Center for Reproductive Rights and Abortion Rights Group, isn't asking for the state's abortion ban to be lifted. Instead, they're trying to get a judge to provide medical clarity on the portion of the law that allows women to get an abortion in emergency cases. For Lauren Hall, another plaintiff in the suit, that emergency came after her 18-week scan. The maternal fetal specialist sadly told us that our baby had anencephaly, a condition that causes a baby to develop with no skull and very little brain matter. My God, these people love fucking killing babies, man. It is their shit. 
It just gets him jazzed up. I want to kill a fucking baby. Sick fucking people. Number five, Corey Bush. Gas is racist. And there's her spiritual guru. She has paid this anti-Semite $137,000 because she's an extremist. And remember, while she's doing this, she's forgetting that she's for the racial equity climate shit that is the reason why we have gas. And she's doing some fancy math and saying it disproportionately affects black people. There's more poor white people in America, you dumbass. So you described that the price increases had a disproportionate effect on black, brown, and low-income communities, uh, families. How did the administration's actions and the, insuring, the ensuing uh, drop in gas prices, how did it help those same families? And while there are a number of factors that affect the price of oil, in an interview uh, with Oxford, I believe, uh, Dr. B did concede that uh, the strategic use of uh, SPR did have an impact. Uh, it's hard to quantify and hard to tell, but it definitely had an impact in the price of oil. We need to focus on making more public investments to lower our energy demand by taking actions such as expanding public transit and installing energy-efficient technology like electric heat pumps. Mr. Drummer, how does making investments in people through safe energy systems and people benefit climate justice and energy security? Thank you. We must make massive investments in climate jobs and environmental justice. And frankly, this is a need that is overdue. I believe that we are going to build high-speed rail. We are going to establish bus rapid transit systems in frontline communities. We are going to create green, green social housing running on renewable energy. We are going to win a Green New Deal that will benefit everyone. And let me just say, I cannot wait. Thank you, and I yield back. Climate justice. And then our last one before we go in this in America, this is America. As like I said today, there was no way I was going to make it to the subjects, but we'll start with the subjects. Here is Mayorkas once again. We've had 5 million people legally come in the country. It's so bad that Biden is starting to pull out Trump policies because it's out of fucking control. There's been terrorists. It's a goat fuck. But this piece of shit still can't, and nor is he pressed to say it's a crisis at the border. Mayorkas. Obviously, the other big issue is your border. Um, many of your opponents call it a border crisis. Do you consider it a crisis in the Biden administration? Christian, the, the, the issues that we have are extraordinarily diverse. You know, I spoke about extreme weather events. I spoke about cybersecurity. You and I have now exchanged about the threat of adverse nation states uh, that seek to infringe on our and other countries' sovereignty. You know, 20 years ago when our department was created, it was the foreign terrorists. We now have the challenge of a domestic violent extremists. When we speak about the border, we have to put it in context that this is not a challenge, and it is indeed a challenge, not a challenge exclusive to the United States. You know, Chile uh, just deployed its military to its border. Colombia has 2.5 million Venezuelans within its border. 
That's a long soundbite, but I, I don't have time for it. I'm not going to listen to him spin and talk about the amount of illegals in other fucking countries. We're talking about the 5 million you let come across the border. You purposely let 5 million people, unscreened, don't know who the fuck they are, bring in COVID, measles, and all sorts of diseases that were eradicated in our country. Mm-mm. We're good. Just going to let them come right in. Which brings us to This is America. Pretty fast podcast. First one, a union boss going the fuck off on a GOP representative. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. What do you bring for that salary? What do I bring? Yeah, what, do you, what, do you, what job have you committed or have you, have you uh, uh, started? What job have you created? One job other than sucking the paycheck out of some other body, somebody else that you want to say that you're trying to provide because you're forcing them to pay dues? And no, then, we don't force them. Senator, you've asked the you're question. You're out of line. Actually, I have no, don't tell me I'm out of line. You are out of line. Don't tell me I'm out of line. Well, you, you, you frame, don't tell me. You I'm frame, making you a statement. Frame, you frame Third, the statement like a tough guy. You shut your guy. mouth yeah. because you don't know you're what you're talking about. You're going to tell me to shut my mouth? Yes, I did. Hold it. Hold it. Tough guy. I'm not afraid of physical. Senator, hold it. But don't sit there and tell me I'm out of line. Senator. You made a statement. You asked the question. I didn't ask a question. You did. You did. I answered question. the question. You asked the question about how well, much money Let him answer. It was, rhetor- it was a rhetorical let, Well, question. you may think it's rhetorical. It sounded rhetorical. to me like a question. Let him answer the question. They got too much power. Our next one is 10 lies that they're letting Biden get away with. Biden's press secretary, Vance, lied about him having no knowledge of husband, uh, Hunter's laptop or business dealing. Biden lies about passing student loan legislation. Biden falsely claimed his son, Bo, died in Iraq. Biden claims multiple times he was arrested trying to see Nelson Mandela. Biden debunked Amtrak tall tale. Biden claims price of gas is down from when he took office. Biden claims he was raised in Puerto Rico. Biden lies about Naval Academy appointment. Biden claims you couldn't even buy a cannon with the Second Amendment was passed. Biden exaggerate how many times he's been to Afghanistan and Iraq. But my favorite is lately his wife rolling around lying about how fucking sprite this fucking brain dead potted plant is. Now, your husband is 80 years old. Mm -hmm. If he wins a second term, he would be 82 at inauguration. What do you say to those people who say maybe he's too old to be president? Are those fair questions and conversations to be having? I say, look at what he's done. You know, look at what he's doing. Look at how um, physically he's got the good bill of health from the doctors to his physicals. But how many 30-year-olds could travel to Poland, get on the train, go nine more hours, go to Ukraine, meet with President Zelensky. What a fucking crock of shit. My ass. Then you got the victim status from Mary Poppins bitching about Fox News. Fucked with me. You have out, out, and out anti-Semitism by Friedman. Choose side. 
It wasn't Israel's side, for the record. We are losing it because Fox lied on TV. Disclosed that CNN boss said you will not chase it. We're not going to go after it. We're not going to find out about the lab leak because that's a Trump talking point. You know, the media didn't cover all that shit. Their meetings. Matt Talibi with the FTC's demand to go after journalists and nobody cares about it. What they're covering is the FCC slot. And now they're saying the FCC slot, the lady's got to pull away because it's homophobia. But this video shows, yeah, no. I'm going to start with uh, Lori Racine, who uh, was the seed funder for public knowledge. So she was responsible for turning me into a Soros-supported, not communist. She suggested, if you don't like someone, if they're a conservative outlet, the federal government should revoke their license to broadcast. That's scary stuff. That's a, a willingness to abuse government power to go after and target those views you disagree with. Someone who, who, who wants to abuse government power like that has no business being anywhere near governmental authority. That lady was a moon bat. Here you have an art critic, which I... I, I is everybody on the left fucking crazy? Is everybody? Her thing, uh, if, uh, let me zoom in, I need my fucking glasses. Because if you know anyone who voted Republican, including friends and family, you should shun them. No need to even tell them that you are no longer communicating with them or why. You own it yourself to them, your country, and any idea of moral damage. And yes, they want to bring back lynching, the long American night. Hmm. Yeah. No. Minnesota, I'm sick of white Christians adopting Native American babies and continuing genocide. We then have a blue check, because I didn't get to do a lot of stuff today, uh, on the, the woke. Before white people came to the land, there were no jails, no homelessness, no law against homosexuality or abortion. For thousands of years, indigenous people emphasize health, housing, freedom, to love who you love, and the fact that we need Mother Earth. She doesn't need us. Okay. This was resurfacing that Michelle Obama cried for 30 minutes because Trump got elected, and why would we care? Oh, I know we care because they're still in that parallel universe. Here's a International Women's Day conference, and guess who it's with? The only losing presidential candidate ever to be brought around in the media like they actually won. Um, Gloria, you helped establish in the United States the Take Your Daughter to Work Day, which was such a great program. And, you know, you started that so that, um, you know, girls could have a chance to get into a workplace, uh, figure out what their career opportunities might be. Um, now we know that uh, decades later, uh, women are the majority of the college educated in the United States. 
um, yet are still underrepresented at the highest levels of leadership in most sectors. And of course, that goes far beyond the United States. That's a, a global uh, fact. So why aren't we seeing more women in highest positions of leadership since women have gotten themselves educated, they've gotten out into the workforce, they've really put themselves uh, in the, the marketplace, and yet they're stalled mm -hmm. and not getting where they, we think, uh, deserve to be? Well, there are a lot of reasons, as we know, and one is the unfair unequal responsibility for raising children. Another is just the uh, mystique of masculinity. Uh, but I just, <laughs> I just want to point out to you at this moment in time how different the history of my country and the world would have been had we had Hillary Clinton instead. <laughs> It's always the funniest part of our media, the fact that they lose their shit because people think Trump got screwed over and that the big lie was the 2020 election when you guys lied about Russia for fucking till now. You're still lying about Russia. And Hillary Clinton and Stacey Abrams still act like they won the elections. They lost. So, um, yeah, I don't really think you understand media, how you look, you think you can push it always towards conservatives, the GOP, it's always them. They're the bad people. But when you really break it down, your hypocrisy is so starkingly bad that nobody believes a word you say. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast here at the Family Friends. Go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with the gay rumble, 482-467. Email me at foppodcast at gmail.com. Sorry for a lot of sound bites. It was a busy week, but I had to get them in, the rebuttals. I had to cover the book banning because it's just unbelievable. The media in one breath makes everything. It just goes to clarity. You won't air January 6th. You say it's evil if you're banning books, but you won't air what's in the books. You people are fucking garbage, man. I put my hands up. You people are fucking garbage. Disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. We'll go with um, way ahead. Um, let's go Monday the 13th. Be the next podcast. Year of our Lord 2023. Until then... Thanks for listening. Y'all take care. Uh.